Our reading this morning comes from 1 Peter chapters 1 and 2. It's a, a variety of verses uh, that I, I picked out that I thought would help give us a little bit of coherence and direction this morning. But let's hear the word of God together. First Peter writes to us, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tested that, tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, the living stone, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God, we ask that you would give us the grace we need. Give us ears to hear your word anew this morning, we pray. Amen. Well, over the centuries, stained glass has become a common feature in Christian architecture. I don't know if you were aware of this. We have some in our own sanctuary. But some of the most prominent examples include the Cathedral de Chartres in France, uh, the Florence Cathedral in Italy, the Notre Dame de Paris, I don't know if I said that right, that is also in France, and our own sort of Washington National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., Stained glass, though it isn't just some obscure architectural feature in churches and cathedrals used to give color to otherwise monochromatic interiors. Stained glass, rather, is often used to tell the story of the Christian faith in pictures. In many of the world's sort of iconic cathedrals, stained glass maps the story of the Bible from Genesis through Revelation, depicting the most important stories that we tell as a church. And these, though, were not just sort of beautiful and ornate, but they assisted illiterate congregations in the medieval church to experience the scriptures in ways that they wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Here's an example from the Canterbury Cathedral in Canterbury, England, of sort of medieval stained glass. There's the church, kind of like our own, just a little bit ornate. They went over the top with their buildings back in the day, didn't they? Here's the interior. This is the altar 
of a Canterbury Cathedral. But the piece that I want you to look at is in this next photo here. It's a piece of stained glass. In the center is a depiction of the resurrection of Jesus. It's right there in the middle. And one of the fascinating things about how they structured the stained glass is they took other biblical stories that help inform us of what the resurrection means and placed them around that central piece. So on the left, you have the, a depiction of Noah and leaving the ark. And it's this idea that, that like like the, the ark saved Noah, so Jesus saves us, right? At the top, you have Jonah emerging from the fish. In that story, you have Jonah who goes into the belly of a fish for three days and then sort of arises out of that, right? Was there anybody else in that resurrection story who was gone for three days and then, right, presents himself and is resurrected? On the right, you have King David escaping death when somebody was threatening his life. And it's this picture of this king who escapes, who eludes the teeth of death into life. And at the bottom, you have Moses at the burning bush. There's this moment when Moses goes to the burning bush and God declares to him, I see the sufferings of my people and I hear their cries of oppression and I've come to free them. And all of these images and stories that we get in the scriptures all converge into the single story about the resurrection. And so stained glass tells us the stories that are meaningful for our churches and our communities. One of my favorite uh, pieces of stained glass came from the greatest Nazarene institution in the world, Mount Vernon Nazarene University, my alma mater. Here's a picture of our beautiful chapel from the outside. It says the chapel. But on the inside, we had a bit of stained glass. At the center of the sanctuary was the cross. And you'll notice the stained glass there on the right-hand side is that the closer you are to the cross, the brighter and the more light that you experience. And the further you are away from the cross, the further you are away from Jesus, the more darkness perhaps that you experience. I think that there's one more picture of the chapel here that kind of gives you the effect without the cross there. But it's our theology, right? Stained glass is a display of the beauty of our theology, Stained glass is a display of the beauty of our scriptures and of the stories that have long shaped the people of God throughout the centuries. Stained glass alone, however, is not enough to communicate theology and the scriptures and the stories that have shaped our past. Stained glass needs another agent for it to project its beauty. It needs light. Stained glass needs light. With light, the stained glass displays the beautiful stories and theology that generations of God's people have passed down to us. It displays the stories and the theology that has transformed our personal lives. But without light, stained glass is nothing more than a dim, ambiguous, mosaic, uncolored collection of pieces and shards of glass. It displays no life. It displays no beauty. The beauty of our theology the beauty of our scriptures, the beauty of our sanctuaries and of our church is dependent on light. This is not an architectural coincidence for sanctuaries. It is a spiritual reality for Christians. We need the light of Christ if we are to be the body of Christ. Otherwise, we're just darkened stained glass. We display no beauty. We do not display the glory of God. This morning, I'm preaching from a very unusual position in our sanctuary. You guys can all check out a chiropractor this week if turning your heads over in this direction is a bit uncomfortable. But typically, any preacher in our congregation stands at the center 
of our congregation to preach. There's a lot that happens there from the center of our sanctuary. We make announcements about Bible studies and groups that are going to be gathering together. We make announcements about events that are going on in the life of our church, trunk or treats, right? We report on events from youth camps where students have encountered perhaps the presence and work of God in a new or fresh way. We offer pastoral prayers on behalf of our church family and our community at the center of our sanctuary. There's a lot that happens at that central position in our sanctuary. But this morning, what lies at the center of our worship are the elements for communion, the symbols of Christ's body and blood. I place them there as a physical reminder to us this morning that Jesus ought to be the center of our life as a church because he is the light that illuminates our Christian witness in a dark world. It is the light of Christ who makes sermons come alive and transform our lives. It is the light of Christ who illuminates the truths of scripture to us in Bible study together as a church. It is the light of Christ who transforms a small group into a community where we experience the person of Jesus in one another. It is the light of Christ that breaks forth in the lives of teenagers at camp, transforming them for eternity. It is the light of Christ that is the hope for those in our congregation who are struggling with various afflictions. It is the light of Christ that ought to be shining through us in our community. You see, without the light of Christ shining in and through our church, we are just darkened, stained glass. Without the light of Christ shining in and through our church, we cannot be the salt and light of the world. Without the light of Christ shining in and through us, we cannot be Christ's ambassadors to the world. Without the light of Christ shining in and through us, we cannot be the body of Christ. Without the light of Christ shining in and through us, our church cannot fulfill our mission and vocation as the people of God. We cannot participate in the kingdom that Jesus came to bring in the world. You see, in our society and culture, we are often tempted to think that church is about anything but Jesus. Now, we would never say that explicitly because that would be awful and way too honest for us to say, but we subtly think it. And sometimes we act like it. If you are unaware, the church in North America has been on a pretty dramatic decline in the United States over the past 20 years or so. And our congregation is not an exception to this reality. And the debates about what local churches ought to do, how ought we to respond into this new reality, this new culture that we find ourselves in, kind of is all over the spectrum of things. If you were to poll any number of people, perhaps in our congregation or any local church, you might find some of the proposed solutions to our current reality. Well, we need a new and different style of music that will connect with this generation of young people, some might say. We need a young pastor who knows nothing about leading a congregation, leading us in these really difficult realities. <laughs> Was that too honest about myself? <laughs> we need a seasoned pastor who knows how to navigate difficult waters. We need young families to come and be a part of our church. We need to focus on older folks who are the lifeblood of our church. We need to grow. We need to stay our size. We need to get smaller. We need relational focus groups. We need Bible study focus groups. We need a thriving kids ministry. We need updated facilities. And the list goes on and on and on about what the church needs. 
in our current reality. But might I get a little Sunday school on us this morning and suggest that at its most fundamental level, we need Jesus. We need Jesus. And we need to be a church that has its eyes fixed on Jesus, not our preferences for worship and church life. Because Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. Now there is no doubt validity and wisdom in thinking about different kinds of leadership and programs. Maintaining and stewarding facilities and resources and reaching different kinds of people and people groups, no doubt that is gonna be a part of our church life. But at the end of the day, without Jesus, those are just different panels of unlit stained glass. And we keep thinking to ourselves, if we just have the right colored stained glass, then we would be able to reach the world. Well, maybe if it's not blue, if it's red. Or maybe if we had a different kind of story. Well, maybe if this, it doesn't matter. If it's unlit by the light of Christ, it does not matter. We need Jesus to shine in our church. For Jesus to shine in our church, it is necessary that he shines in your individual life, church. We, as disciples of Jesus, are to be conformed to the image of Jesus, according to Paul in Romans. That is, our hearts become so much like the heart of Jesus that our life looks like the life of Jesus in the world. And the service this morning is designed to have you reflect on that reality in your own life and within the context of our church. Do you love Jesus? Does your love for Jesus compel you to a consistent prayer life that you just have to spend time with Jesus because you love Jesus? Do you long for Jesus' will so deeply that you regularly read the Bible and the Gospels in particular as a guide for your life, forming your attitudes and your actions that you just long more and more for the will of God, that you find yourselves in the scriptures consistently and constantly because you want God's will for your life. If someone were to look at your life, at work or in home, in, your, in our church, in our community, would they bear witness to the kindness and grace, forgiveness, patience, joy, and courage of Jesus? Is that what I would see in your home? Is that what I would see in your work? Is that what I would see in your marriage? Is that what I would see in your relationships with your neighbors? Do you love the people in our church community as if they were your family? Are you committed to their well-being, to their spiritual well-being, to their physical well-being, or are a lot of people sitting in this room strangers to you this morning? Are you actively engaged in sharing your Christian witness with people who do not know Jesus? When was the last time that you shared witness to Jesus and what he's done in your life to someone who didn't know him? Have you gotten in the routine of attending worship services without taking your spiritual maturity seriously? Is this your church Sunday mornings? This is an activity of the church. This isn't church. Church is a lot of things, and this is a part of it, but has this become your whole experience of church? I ask these questions not 
to sort of shame or guilt us. Lord knows as I was writing these, I was like, Lord, am I allowed to say that? Because I'm wrestling with some of these realities in my own life. But these questions give us a vision of what our life as a church could look like in the coming year. We could be a community of people that sincerely love Jesus, that we love him so much that the people in our congregation find themselves consistently drawn into a life of prayer. We might be a people who love Jesus so deeply that we're engaged regularly with the scriptures, allowing them to direct and guide our lives, transforming our hearts and minds and attitudes and actions in the world. We could be a church who when people saw your life at work or in your neighborhood, in your home with your kids, or in our community, that they actually saw and experienced the person of Jesus. You could be a person who extends Jesus' kindness, grace, forgiveness, patience, joy, and courage into the world. People in our church, we could this year be a family for real, and not just in words alone where people knew as a part of our congregation that their physical and spiritual well-being was going to be attended to consistently. We could be a church that was engaged in regularly sharing our Christian witness to Jesus in the world. We could be a church that, got a, that had expanded our understanding of what church life is like outside of a Sunday morning worship service and be spiritually mature because we took our discipleship and following Jesus seriously. This could be our reality in 2020. I find that so much more compelling than just doing church, finding the right program, that we would be a community and people transformed by the light of Christ to be something new in the world. Will we be a church through which the light of Christ shines in 2020? This begins with our renewed commitment to be his people this day. I want to invite you in your worship folder bulletin this morning. There is a service or sort of reading responses and whatnot for us to participate in as we as a church renew our commitment to make Jesus the center of our life, to make Jesus the center of our preaching and groups and friendships and activity this morning. This is not for our visitors, our normal worship service. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing a lot of exercising going up and down the stage. But I wanna invite you to renew your commitment to Jesus this morning, to make him center to our life together as a church. Let's pray. Almighty God, you search our hearts and you see every part of us. All our desires are known to you, and from you no secrets are hidden. By the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, cleanse our hearts so we may be perfectly love you and glorify your holy name, not only with our lips, but with our lives as well. We pray this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.